Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, the podcast that makes you the authority in orthodontics in your community. Get ready for insights on how to compete on expertise and trust against mail order in retail orthodontics. It's not always about the lowest fees. And now, from the People in Practice team, your hosts, Dr. Leon Klempner and Amy Epstein. Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontist podcast. My name is Dr. Leon Klempner. I'm a retired orthodontist, co-founder and CEO of People in Practice. And Amy and I started this podcast uh, to bring in the best thought leaders in the field so we can gain as much information and insight about how we can uh, respond to what I would call an attack on the integrity of our specialty as orthodontists. Um, as always, I'm joined by my partner, my daughter, and marketing guru, Amy Epstein. Thanks, Dad. I'm Amy Epstein. I have an MBA in marketing, and before co-founding People in Practice with my dad, I spent 15 years in international public relations and marketing and branding. And our whole goal is really to help orthodontists grow their practices um, in spite of all the disruption that's going on in the industry. And we do that through new patient education and trust building in the doctor and the practice and differentiation of these practices um, to demonstrate why someone should make the decision to come to you as opposed to all the other options that are now out there. And so we do all of that online um, through digital marketing. And that's exactly where new patients are doing their research these days. So Today, I'm pleased to have with us a guest in uh, Dr. Jonathan Nikazesis, who is a respected and well-known member of the orthodontic community. Jonathan is a graduate of UPenn's Dental and Temple's orthodontic programs, and he's been practicing in Princeton, New Jersey for 20 years. But that's just the tip of the iceberg, because Jonathan has also helped raise millions in VC funding for a medical startup. He serves on the scientific advisory board of Propel Orthodontics, and he is a master faculty member of Align Technology. You may also know Jonathan from the Aligner Intensive Fellowship a comprehensive course on aligner orthodontics that he co-founded with Dr. Maz Mashiri. Welcome to the Survival Guide for Orthodontics, Jonathan. Great. Thank you, Amy and Leon. What a, what a true honor and pleasure. Great. We really appreciate you taking the time. I, I, I know you're a busy guy, and it's nice of you to share some of your insights uh, with our audience. Sure. Um, well, you know, the truth is, Leon, we're all busy, but when you have... 85, 90% aligners in your practice, you have more capacity than, than ever before. So while I'm busy, uh, I'm really just taking time away now from my Facebook addiction to, to speak with you guys. So it's all good. <laughs> all right. Well, that's a big deal. So we take that as a, a, as a, big, a big compliment. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, John. Well, first of all, do you remember uh, when we first met? We go back a long way. I'm trying to think in my own mind when I first met you. Do you have any recollection? I, you know, the, the quick answer is no, but my first recollection of you is watching you lecture up on stage or at a study club uh, for something. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming it was uh, something about aligners or Invisalign, but I, I really don't. You know, my three young kids have really scrubbed much of my mm-hmm. um, memory banks. I yeah, hear you yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amy, you could relate to that, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think my original initial memory is uh, as a speaker for a line, because we both did that for a period of time. But my, you know, my my uh, recollection is, is about you is that you were very um, analytical in your approach. It wasn't, mm. a, a, and there was no airy fairy stuff when you spoke. You were right. like really uh, clear about. Uh, the attachment you're using, the angle, the, you know, the grams of forces, and you know, you you really you really got really granular. So, uh, 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 am I accurate in that? Yeah, you know, I think that's a fair characterization. Where I made my splash um, in my contributions to uh, orthodontics is, you know, trying to figure out movements that were once thought of as impossible, uh, movements that were thought of as challenging, that you need partial braces on, and and really just understanding um, the strengths and weaknesses of your appliance system of choice, that being a pushing piece of plastic, and figuring out where the tooth is starting, where I, I would like it to end up, and designing a path of movement and forces via a customized piece of plastic uh, to get the job done. I know you've helped me. I mean, I became an elite provider after studying and learning from people like you. Even though I was a speaker myself, I was always on the uh, sitting in the lectures of those that were more knowledgeable than me and had done more cases than me. And that's basically how I grew my practice. And, and, uh, and so I appreciate those efforts. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. It's a it's a two-way street. I, I get as much out of the audience or when people come visit me in my practice uh, as they, uh, you know, t- tell me they, they get from me as well. Great. So, so let me ask you a question. Both of us do a lot of lecturing and we both speak to residents. We go um, to different schools. I know that, um, you know, the, the residents are, are anxious to learn about uh, aligners, learn about technology. And um, Amy and I give a, a one-year course at Harvard to the Harvard residents. And one of the things I like about being at Harvard is um, Dr. Masood, who's the chairman there, is very progressive. And to right. my surprise, those students really learned a lot of aligner therapy. And they learned a lot of hybrid um, you know, I, when I sat in, we, you know, we, we, we lecture on marketing, but I, I sit in on the treatment planning and, and the case presentations that the residents do. And I was like, sh- I was shocked because I've been to a lot of residency programs and, and m- most of them or many of them have very little exposure. What's your experience and what are your thoughts about it? You know, uh, Leon, it is it's so funny you say that because just yesterday, literally yesterday, in my main office in Princeton, I had a first-year resident come visit me, and it was a typical scenario where people, whether they message me or come visit, residents often tell me, and the majority of the time, is that they get zero, zero uh, exposure, instruction to uh, aligner therapy, uh, more specifically as an official part of their curriculum. Uh, And it's really uh, dependent upon the one or two generous faculty members that come in and share their time that they get exposure in that regard, you know, and and it kind of harkens back to the apprenticeship model that our 
um, uh, you know, industry, our specialty is steeped in, you know, there were, there were apprenticeship models where people would just go work with a doctor for two or three years and at the appropriate time they'd be anointed an orthodontist. And so, um, so I was, my conversations yesterday with this resident, uh, is, echoes what I hear constantly when I go around lecturing is that, look, I just graduated a year or two ago, or um, I'm graduating now, or, and I had zero formal instruction uh, on doing orthodontics with Invisalign. And so, you know, I know that your podcast is titled The Survival Guide, and, and I like it. At the same time, I think you can put in parentheses, you know, uh, how to stay relevant guide. And, and I truly believe, and I know this might ruffle a few feathers, but I believe it is a huge disservice to our students who are committing to going into mountains of debt, monetary debt, for them to come out of a two, two and a half, three-year program and not be prepared for what is going on in the market. And I'm not talking, I'm not, you know, talking aligners are here to, to get rid of braces. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about CAD CAM. CAD CAM odontics. I happen to like doing it with customized plastic. Evidently, there is a big portion of the U.S. population that feels the same, but they also should be exposed to CAD CAM odontics with brackets and wires and, and indirect bonding and all that stuff. So I think, you know, t- this whole technology buzz, um, while I like to focus on aligners, can be more broadly uh, uh, applied towards, um, you know, uh, not uh, applied to, to brackets and, and not just the traditional orthodontics. And so getting back to the aligners uh, uh, discussion, I-, I think it is a huge a disservice to our residents, to our future of our profession and our specialty, and people must come out of a program knowing how to do orthodontics with the liners, whatever that system is. Mm-hmm. Definitely, you know, just um, you know, dovetailing off of that, the ever all of the disruption that's going on is also indicating that there need to be some shifts made um, in order to stay relevant and stay competitive. Um, you know, we, we're often trying to help educate um, our clients' prospective patients in their local markets about what our clients, the orthodontists, are doing to stay ahead of the game, are doing to, to um, stay ahead with technology that's available. And so the way that the AAO is helping to differentiate the orthodontists from some of the disruptive uh, programs that are out there is through its CAP program, mm-hmm. um, its consumer <clears throat> awareness program. But, you know, it's tough because that is um, throwing a really broad, wide net across a large swath of space. And we feel that a lot of education really for the orthodontist should be done sort of at the local level. Sure. Um, where, wh- how do you, th- this type of disruption, what do you think the orthodontist sh- can and should be doing in order to? Uh, to combat this and and keep the message very clear about what makes an orthodontist someone that's different than these aligner programs. Well, much like figuring out how to move teeth with aligners, I took it upon myself to figure out. I've taken it upon myself in central New Jersey to you know try my best to educate. Uh, the public about how you know the difference between specialist and uh, and general dentist or even direct to consumer and, and and to that end I for the last five years have uh, 
been very active in using radio. And um, while it's not digital, I will tell you the impact of my local radio station and advertising. Trust trust your uh, orthodontic treatment to a specialist. That's like when I, and I'm doing my own commercials. I have the DJs do it that I treat. They talk about it on air. Uh, but when I come out with the message, trust an orthodontist. Uh, trust a specialist to you for your orthodontic treatment, uh, and and if you're going to get Invisalign, you might as well come to me because my you know I'm I'm second to nobody when it comes to experience. But getting back to your question, I, I think we have to figure out how to reach the local market to simply have the conversation about the difference between specialist versus general practitioner, about direct-to-consumer, no doctor involved uh, versus having a doctor uh, when you need one uh, to, to actually direct supervise, have a proper exam, etc. And so whether that's radio like what I'm doing, whether that is social media, Instagram, Facebook, uh, that's great. If you live in an area where local TV station is have at that you know and then those that want to advertise in in papers or shiny magazines that may work too so it's, it's really up to us to piggyback onto the aao cap uh and do what we think is uh most effective and efficient uh in our local areas so let's do this we have sure. a question for you from one of our listeners and so oh, we'll go ahead and play that yeah and if you wouldn't mind we always like to give an opportunity to our listeners to um share their voice and, and ask questions to our guests as well so let's do that hi john this is bronson schleep from lincoln nebraska i had a question for you regarding limited clear line of therapy with uh, the marketing dollars that have been um, spent by direct-to-consumer companies this has created an increased awareness um, within the U.S. I'm curious how you might be utilizing this increased awareness to educate and guide and direct the public that the orthodontists are a better option for limited clear line of therapy as opposed to these direct consumer companies. Terrific. Thanks, Bronson. Um, you know, the truth is, uh, getting back to what I just mentioned, I, I do a lot of that via my radio. Um, I, you know, I've thought about whether or not I should dignify, if you will, <clears throat> these direct-to-consumers by bringing or making a radio ad discussing it because I don't really want to give awareness to them. So I've kind of shied away that from that and really relied more on uh, my experience. Now, the truth is, in my area, I'm a, a medium-sized fish in a medium-sized pond in Princeton and uh, West Windsor, New Jersey. Um, I have not jump the shark, so to speak, and opened up a uh, retail space to do and have, you know, limited treatment for $3,500 or the next level of $4,500. That's just not for me. It might be for better for other docs that are doing it in, in bigger metropolitan areas, you know, New York, D.C., L.A., um, Dallas, et cetera. And so if you have foot traffic and, and that might work, that business model might work, boy, have at it. And that way you can... Um, you know, have the communication. This is with a doctor's office that is local. Um, so for me, I when when I get people that come in, uh, and it, and it happens two or three times a month uh, regarding uh, direct to consumer in terms of fixing. Uh, their progress or really lack thereof, um, I'm very frank with them. And, and right then and there is where I educate the people about, you know, uh, the differences. And this is why, you know, uh, you might have more uh, higher fee with comprehensive treatment. Um, but if somebody comes in and wants limited treatment, 
My job as a healthcare provider is to examine them, go over my results, discuss their options from the, the comprehensive Cadillac treatment plan to uh, alternatives uh, that would uh, assess their desires with um, that that would um, address their desires, I should say, um, and chief concerns without doing any detriment or harm. And at that point, I read them their their rights and what they get and don't get with um, you know a lesser treatment option, uh, and, and go from there. But you know, I, I think this awareness that you speak of that is real that is legit and it's these winds are blowing and it's up to us as an orthodontic specialty to figure out how to best catch this wind that is blowing and trim the sails accordingly um and to that end you know i think we've learned a lot from this new marketplace um there's been some discussion about the cheapness um, of it that's attractive. But I will tell you this. I, I had a dentist's brother do Big Purple. And a dentist's brother. And he did Big Purple, had a real effed up result, came to see me. This guy's in his 50s. And I asked him, I said, tell me why you did this. Is it the money? He's like, yeah, it's cheaper. And he's like, but what's the other reason? And he told me the real reason I did this was convenience. And so Leon, Leon and I have discussed, you know, um, embracing technology to give these people what they want and a big attractive aspect of this direct-to-consumer uh, that we have to be aware of as they uh, raise this awareness is that people want convenience. And putting brackets on, and I'm not poo-pooing braces, but putting braces on and expecting, you know, um, uh, 25 office visits over, you know, uh, 27 months is not convenient. And so we as a specialty must figure out how to best embrace technology, CAD-CAM odontics, whether it's brackets and customized wires, whether it's customized plastic, and embrace that to give these people what they want, what they desire, uh, as uh, this awareness is uh, continuing to be raised. That's great, Jonathan. And, and, and I just want to kind of circle back because there, there was so much, so much to unpack there. But, right. I, you know, just going back and, and uh, referring to, and, and thank you, Bronson, for sending uh, that uh, question our way. Um, the limited treatment thing is a big deal for orthodontists. I, you know, I, I talk to orthos, orthos all the time, and there's almost a sense that they're um, almost like giving up their responsibility or compromising or selling out when sure. they agree to limited treatment. And I, I, I'm trying to change that narrative because I, I, believe, I really believe that as long as you present all of the options, give your professional opinion, give the pros and cons, um, if, a, if a patient decides that they want limited treatment, and mm -hmm. if it could be done safely, which, again, an orthodontist is in the best position to determine, I think we should do it. I think it belongs in our wheelhouse. Um, and and not, to, not to give that up. And that, that's a hard pill for a lot of orthos to swallow. But I think it's an important um, issue for us because if we, if we just go my way or the highway full treatment or surgical treatment, my way of the highway, as it was when I was in practice, mm -hmm. um, I think that we're going we're, we're gonna to suffer for it. What are, you, what are your thoughts about I, that? I, 
I, I totally agree with you, Leon. Like it, mm-hmm. and it was tough for me. It's tough. It was tough for me to sort of accept that to be comfortable uh, with that notion. And you know, please understand, I'm not here advocating that straighter is better crap. You know, that was mm-hmm. you know floated around. I'm here advocating. Um, options, safe options, and options that are under the direct um, uh, supervision uh, and guidance um, and treatment of a doctor in a real office. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that's, that, that's it. And, if, and to your point, if we don't um, get comfortable with that, if we don't, I hate to use the word embrace, uh, but if we don't um, put that in our repertoire, uh, we are, uh, I think, going to miss a lot of opportunity. You're really just not trimming the sails properly uh, to catch the wind that's blowing that I referred to before. Um, and you can, you know, have your head in the sand that some of my, again, this is my opinion, but that some programs have, uh, residency programs have, and, and not educate their residents um, and pretend like it, this doesn't exist or, or don't believe in it. You know, I hear that from time to time. Oh, my faculty just didn't believe in it. I mean, what the blank is that about in, in mm-hmm. 2019? Um, that's a disservice. You know, that you, could you imagine spending $70,000 a year with living expenses, et cetera, for three, two and a half to three years, come out a quarter of a million dollars in debt, and you don't know how to freaking do orthodontics mm-hmm. with aligners? Mm-hmm. That's messed up. Well- I mean, tell us now. I mean, it's perfect uh, segue to the Aligner Intensive Fellowship. Tell us about ah. how it got started and the goals um, and, and what you're up to now. Sure. So, uh, you know, the, the Aligner Intensive Fellowship is a online uh, course. Think of it as a live dynamic textbook with 12 chapters spread out over 17 weeks where my partner, uh, Maz Mushiri, and I uh, record uh, about two to three videos per week. We, we now have 45 hours of ADA CERP uh, credit hours that we do through a third-party vendor, OrthoEd, uh, who is Jason Cope, uh, and we feel very honored to be associated with him and his platform. So you know it's quality. And so we have about 12 or 13, I think, guest contributors And we do all things aligner therapy from the basics of incorporating intake of the boxes, how to prepare the paperwork, fill attachments, bonding attachments, to the granular that Leon referred to earlier about uh, basic biomechanics, breaking down tooth by tooth each movement, uh, and then building that up into case uh, d- uh, treatment planning uh, with examples, et cetera. And it's all done online in a virtual classroom setting via a private Facebook group. And so we post videos and people can watch the videos and ask us questions in real time. And so you watch a video, you, you, you write a question, and uh, it's like truly being a virtual classroom setting. Talk about convenience. You don't have to, you know, shut down your office, travel, uh, be away from your family. You do it at your own convenience. Next time a new exam cancels, you sit down, you watch a video, ask some questions. And as long as you download the videos, you get to keep those chapters of the virtual uh, textbook, if you will, the dynamic textbook. But uh, because those those video links expire at the end of the course, what stays on into perpetuity is all the 
commentary, all the Q&A that follows. So you can have that as your virtual notebook to go back and uh, look at anterior open bite weeks eight and nine. Next time an anterior open bite comes in, uh, you can have that as a reference. Um, at the conclusion of the course, each group turns into an online forum, a, a study club, if you will, where people post cases, ask questions, show off their results, uh, practice management stuff. Uh, we have third-party vendors uh, that offer us um, some promotions uh, for their products. So there's a huge value add uh, to the Aligner Intensive Fellowship aside from just the knowledge, but the continuing collaboration and education uh, together. So Right now, we have onboarded over 1,600 orthodontists globally, and the feedback we get has just been amazing. Right now, our net promoter score, industry average, I've come to learn, for any continuing education program, they strive for a net promoter score of 55. That means you know over half of the people that take the course say that the positive things about it. We have a net promoter score of 87. Mm-hmm. So it's it's profoundly um, uh, impactful. Uh, it, it sounds like it's the aligner course that should have been in the residency curriculum well, to begin with. <laughs> well, uh, so to, to to that point, Leon, we indeed do have, uh, uh, as you mentioned, you know, progressively thinking programs where the all residents are taking it, the faculty members are taking it, so they're taking it together, um, and mm-hmm. so. You know, we, we try to be respectful. We, you know, uh, programs have their curriculum. It's their baby. We get that. And we don't want to come in and say, you know, uh, that's pish posh. But, you know, here is a very simple solution for um, a program to incorporate aligner therapy uh, and learn and have their faculty learn at the same time. So we have been, Maz and I have been actively in communication um, with programs to figure out how best uh, to incorporate it. Well, well, congratulations! It uh, thank you. you know, it's something well certainly needed, and and you know, I, I speak to orthos all the time. We talked about moving more and more towards plastic, learning how to treat with hybrid treatment, etc. And you know, they're at a loss because you know they 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 spend three years learning how to move teeth with wires and brackets, and you know, this is this is a different skill set, and and you don't learn this in in a weekend or or a day course. So, certainly not. I totally agree yeah. with you. So let's play Monday morning quarterback a little bit here. Sure. So you've been out of residency for a while, right? Yeah, I try not to think about it, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> so let let's let's uh, let's let's make believe you could go back in time and um and you and you could do things over again. Um, what would you do differently? Ah, geez, terrific, terrific question, and you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and uh, you know in speaking to graduates or recent grads or, or people in residency, I often get asked the question: Is it better to buy? Is it better to start up? And what you know, looking back, I, I think it's great if you're able to buy because. And that's what I did. I, I bought in after two years of an associate uh, sh- uh, ship. And um, you might pay more, but you're buying a cash flow. Um, whereas when you start up, you're, you, you come go to more into debt and you have no cash flow to pay back that loan. So getting back to your question, what would I do differently? Um, I would not be as scared to think about 
opening up a practice from scratch. And why I think that's different today than 20 years ago, you know, 20 years ago, when you were solo, you were truly solo. In 2019, with the advent of technology and these support groups, these you know online group therapy that are these orthodontic Facebook groups, you can very easily get the support you need that I didn't have back then. And so mm-hmm. I think that is a uh, an advantage. So um, I probably would pick an area. I would be more keen on opening up on my own. And and why is that? I, I don't know. Just because I could institute what I would want to do myself sooner rather than wait until I, you know, own the practice outright. Um, I think uh, you would be able to uh, build a practice that would look modern as opposed to my practice, which looks like, you know, 1986 is uh, trying to reinvent itself. Um, you know, so I, uh, that's what, number one, what I would do differently. Number two, I would not be so concerned about pleasing everybody, meaning uh, when you first come out, you want to yes everybody and treat everything that walks to the door. And I, I think, and that's tough to do when, you, when you've got, you know, uh, rent to pay, you've got loans to pay back, et cetera. Uh, you you want to treat everything and everybody. And I, I learned the hard way uh, that I started treatment on people that I probably should not have in retrospect. So I think uh, what I would do differently now is uh, very comfortably say, you know what, I don't think I will be able to meet your expectations. Mm-hmm. And, and when you put it that way, it's very polite. It's a very polite way of saying no. <laughs> so yeah. uh, those, those are the two things that I would do differently. Well, Jonathan, um, you're a good man. And uh, Amy and I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your thoughts with our ortho listeners. Terrific. Well, thanks so much for the opportunity and uh, wishing everybody much continued success. Likewise. So we have a great lineup of guests moving forward. Uh, Leanne Panishi, uh, president of Panishi Associates coming on, Chris Benson, Benson Koppel and Associates. Uh, Sean Murphy, one of the AAO attorneys, uh, has agreed to come on so that we can uh, talk about what's going on on the legal front. And that's just to name a few. So uh, please stay tuned. And we also welcome your input and suggestions. You can visit us at the survival guide for orthodontist.com and even leave a question or comment through our click to talk button. You can download other episodes of our podcast or sign up for our marketing newsletter there as well. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please tell one of your colleagues. We'd appreciate that. We look forward to you joining us on our next episode. Thank you for joining us on the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, where we help your practice grow within a massively disrupted industry. Subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on social media. Find us online at thesurvivalguidefororthodontists.com. Thank you for joining us on the Survival Guide for Orthodontists, where we help your practice grow within a massively disrupted industry. Subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on social media. Find us online at thesurvivalguidefororthodontists.com.